0: Am I energised? Oh yes. I haven't seen that since thought of the day, have you? Or thought of the week, whatever we got it down to in the end. Anyway, it's fantastic to be here. Thank you, Sharon, for that brilliant time of worship that we shared together. <clears throat> Barry's not with us this morning. He's off down at 4th um, Street Baptist or Harlow Baptist, um, so we should be, remember him in, his, in our prayers, um, or remember them as well, of course. Um, I said to Louise, you're not there with Barry this morning? And she said, no, I've heard both of his sermons already. So, no, I said that and she sort of confirmed it, but anyway. Last week, we looked at, we, of course, we're doing this, uh, this series on... The Sermon on the Mount, and by the way, hello to everybody on Zoom. How many we got there, Hazel? Hello, all you seven, the magnificent seven at home. Um, really good to see you. Well, it's really good to see us, I suppose. Awesome. I, I can't see you, uh, but Hazel can. Anyway, a warm welcome to you. It is warm in here anyway. Um, yes, we're doing this series on a ser- the Sermon on the Mount, um, the, uh, the wonderful sermon that Jesus preached in Matthew's Gospel. And we, last week, Barry took us through the Beatitudes, the Happitudes, the Beautiful Attitudes, whichever you like to say. Um, And uh, and actually we had a little preview of that with uh, Gary uh, before that. Um, But there was one um, that I would just like us to take a look at, this last one, which of I think it's just a bit of a warning to us. It says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So the thing that I have to say to you all is that you are going... You're going to suffer if you follow Jesus. Things, it doesn't seem like the thing that you want to be blessed about, you know, when you think it says you're going to be persecuted, people are going to spread things about you. That's what's going to come. But Jesus said there is a special blessing for the people who who follow him. And there was one more thing. I just—we're not doing the Beatitudes this week, but I can remember this story going way back. Does anybody remember the name of the first man in space? Just shout it out. Yuri Gagarin. That's right. And that was a sort of an amazing thing when this this Russian was sent up into space. He wasn't up there very long, and he came back down again. And by some accounts in one of the Russian schools, one of the Soviet schools, there was a teacher there, and she gathered the uh, the pupils and said, "Well, good morning, comrade pupils. I don't know if they speak like that. Anyway, said, good morning. Well, we have proved it. We have sent a man into space, and I have not. am lapsing into Russia, into Spanish, or something. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, we sent a man into space." There is no God. He's been in space, he didn't see God. God is up there, He's supposed to be up there, but we did. he didn't see him. And one brave little girl in the class put her hand up and said, Yes, but Yuri Gagarin wasn't pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Um, brave girl. Anyway, have you ever heard of. Things, people who are known as influencers. You heard of them? People who are famous for sometimes you're not quite sure why. And also people who are influencers who you've never heard of. But strangely they're still influencers. I'm going to put up here the top ten UK influencers. Some you may have heard of. The people who are right on and with it will know them all, I should think. Anyway, Joe Wicks. Who's heard of him? Yeah, okay. Mrs. Hinch. She does cleaning hacks, apparently. Mrs. Hinch. Who's heard of Mrs. Hinch? Right, good. Okay, third one. Cara Delevingne. Oh, Kevin's heard of her. Who is she? Not quite sure then. Okay. (laughs) Um, Alexa Chung. You know, the Alexa Chung. No, okay. Um, Joe Sugg. I don't know who he is. Who doesn't know who Joe Sugg is? Alright, next one. Eddie Hall. No, this is all mystery to me. Marie Kondo. Who knows Marie Kondo? Yeah? What does she do? Right. Ola G. William Olatunji, Tunji. KSI. Ah, you see? Okay. Mr. Beast. Are there any more? Giovanna Fletcher. Right, well, you see, I'm glad the Smiths are here because they've heard of everybody. I mean, and yet, there are other people who seem to make an awful lot of money (laughs) but you're not quite sure what they do for it. Um, You know, uh, was it the Kardashians and people like that. They're influencers. They influence us. Well, I have to say, they don't really influence me very much. But, um, and did your mother ever say to you when you were growing up, I don't want you hanging around with this person, so and so, because they're a bad influence on you. So what do you do when your mother says that? You carry on. When I was teaching at Bray's Grove, a girl called Louise came up—not Louise. Louise came up to me and said, "Sir," she said, "I'm not going to be here next term." I said, "Really?" She said, "No, no. I'm going to be educated at home." I said, "Oh, okay." I said, "Why is that?" She said, "Bad influence." I said, "Well, okay. Well, I'm sure when you're gone, everybody will be spared." And she said, "No." No, they're a bad influence on me. Anyway, she was gone for a term and then she came back again because her mother could not stand her being educated at home. But bad influence. There are bad influences on us all over the place. But do you know that you are an influencer? If we look in Matthew's Gospel, this is the passage that we're really looking at. I know it's 10 to, 10 to 12 already. Oh, by the way, Happy Father's Day. Again, once again, Happy Father's Day. Um, and it says these words in Matthew 5:13: You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Well, salt... Is one of those things we absolutely need. We have to have a bit of salt. Especially in the hot weather, you need a little bit bit of salt. You don't want too much. But we can't live without it. And food with absolutely no salt in is a little bit bland and uninspiring, isn't it? Just a little pinch of salt, not too much. Really just livens it up. It just seasons it up. And... We as Christians, Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth. We are the salt of the earth. That term is used for, oh, I know, I know him. I know old Harry, he's the salt of the earth. doesn't mean that. It means people who are following Jesus are the salt of the earth. And we bring seasoning to wherever we go. And But not only do we bring seasoning, we also preserving. You know, things go rotten. if you think back, refrigeration and freezing has been around for about 100 years, I'm, I'm told. Putting things in tins and cans has been around for about 200 years, keeping food from going rotten. When there's too much, the harvest comes in, you either eat the whole lot or you try and keep some for later. Salt is the is the kind of preservative that has been in use from time immemorial. Keeps things from going off. Keeps things from going rotten. We as Christians, Jesus says, are like that. We keep the world from going rotten. We have a restraining influence. We have a good influence. We're not an influencer who tells you how to use vinegar to clean your oven or something. We are an influencer who springs that flavour the flavor that comes from God, that seasoning that comes from God, and also that preserving. And Jesus said if the salt's lost, its, if it's lost that, it's no use. You are salt. But then, it go, then Jesus goes on and he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Isn't it amazing that even when there is pitch darkness, absolute darkness, the smallest light overcomes the darkness. And Jesus said, "You are the light of the world." Now, this this is what he he says. Don't you don't have to work at it. You are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. That's what you are. That is the promise of Jesus. You are that. You don't say, "I've got to work at being brighter," and or I've got to be saltier. That means something else, really, doesn't it? But I've got to be. You know, I've got to have these these characteristics. Jesus says, that is what you are. You are the salt of the earth. You will preserve things. You will stop things from going off and going rotten. And you will lighten up where there is darkness. Because believe me, there's plenty of darkness in this world. And Jesus says, don't hide your light, because you're like a city on the hill. Always, you know, when you come down, come up the M11 towards Harlow, there's a little bit where the bridge cuts out the lights of the roundabout at the top and you just look as if there's nothing there. And all of a sudden, you come through that bridge, past that bridge, and you see the lights. That's Harlow. I'm nearly home. So, the light of the hill. So, Jesus gives, you, gives us that promise. And have you ever noticed, I don't know if you have, Barry mentioned it a few weeks ago, but I've noticed that sometimes colleagues change their behaviour a little bit when you're around. They may not tell those jokes that they sometimes do if you're there. They may not use the same kind of language that they frequently use if you're around. You are an influence you are an influencer for Jesus. Now next, next bit we've got to deal with do not think says Jesus that i have come to abolish the law or the prophets i've not come to abolish them but to fulfill them for truly i tell you until heaven and earth disappear not the smallest letter not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear until the law from the law sorry until everything is accomplished therefore anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practises and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So now Jesus is talking about law. Now we kind of like you know, Christians, we say we're not under law. We're not under law anymore, are we? Of course we're not. We're under grace. Why then does Jesus say this law is important? In fact, it's vital. The law of God is vitally important. Well, because when you think way back when the law was brought in, The Israelites were in the desert, and they said, "Yes, God, you know, we'll, you know, we'll give us the commands. We'll do whatever you say. We'll keep all them to the letter, no problem." And then Moses goes up the mountain, and he gets the Ten Commandments, and he brings them down. God set out His standard. This is God's holy standard. This is what God expects. God is so holy, and we're not. God is perfect and we're not and God set out what his standard is if you keep these you are, as you, are, you are perfectly holy God cannot abide sin and the problem is that we sin frequently there's the ten commandments you, you will know them I'm sure and I do apologise for the Americanised spelling on that but that's what I found this morning to just pop up there. I wasn't going to put it up, but I did in the end. And God sets his standard for us. And his standard is nothing short of perfection. And yet we are very fallible human beings. We are people who fall and fail regularly. If you break any of those commandments and by the way there are, there's a few more if you go through Leviticus you can see there's plenty there to plenty of scope. If you break any of those even if it's that little white lie that people like to talk about you've failed. Like shooting an arrow at a target. If you shoot the arrow it goes flying off into some distant field, you've missed the target. If you aim again and you fire again and it just misses, you've still missed. You can miss by a little bit, by a fraction, or you can miss by a mile, but you've missed. And that's, that's falling short of God's standards. God takes it seriously. I remember a story of this a lady who was at some way with some Christian conference with some quite big name speaker at the time and they were at breakfast one morning and this lady um, who was getting on in years she said oh well she said well you know um, what I can tell you is you were, you were preaching about sin last night he said I haven't sinned for 40 years. She said to him, and he was sitting there, he looked at her, he just no, I haven't sinned for 40 years. And he said, 40 years, that's remarkable. You must be very proud of that. And She said, oh, I am, I'm really proud of it. God takes sin seriously. We don't treat it with that much respect, I think. Very often, if you're anything like me. God's standards are fixed and absolute. We hear about things such as your truth, my truth. That coin, that phrase was coined in 1984 by George Orwell. There is no such thing as your truth or my truth. There's only one thing. It's not what we feel about what happened. Or, there's only one thing that happened, it, it, one thing there is, and that is the truth. God's standards are absolute. We're told in this day and age, no, it's not like that. You can we can change the rules, change the laws, there's no problem. As soon as you start doing that, you lose your bearing, you lose your compass. And the standards are never set higher, they're always set lower because it makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves. The trouble is somebody's standards might be a bit lower than you would like. But they still there's no reason for us if God doesn't exist and there's no no absolutes in, in life, then it doesn't really matter, does it? Because you can set your bar ever lower. It can be like a limbo dance. You just keep setting the bar lower until you can't get under it anymore. God says there's only one punishment for sin. If you fall short, even by a tiny little bit, you might be the most benevolent, wonderful, upstanding person in the world. But if you sin in any way, shape or form, there's only one punishment, and that's death. You deserve to be put to death. For anything. Not popular. Not a popular um, concept. so the punishment is death and I did see I believe there was a a sign outside a church it said in these days of high inflation it's refreshing to know that the wages of sin is the same as it's always been the trouble is it gets worse the message gets worse But I promise you it'll get better. It says, you've heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. Most people agree that you shouldn't murder. And I'm assuming that there are no murderers in our midst. I'm hoping. You shall not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. That's quite right. Very good. But I tell you that anyone anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment so if you're getting angry so angry with somebody that it kind of like has sort of those murder or oh, kill him you know that sort of thing then you're subject to the judgment as well so if you feel that you're subject to judgment it says I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, which is a term of utter contempt, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So, the sermon, this Sermon on the Mount tells us if we actually hate somebody with a vengeance, it's as if we've committed murder. And therefore we have sinned. And therefore, we deserve to die. That's that's what's getting worse. If you think it, it's as bad as actually doing it. That's what Jesus is saying here. But there is better news. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life In Christ Jesus our Lord. God knows we can't keep the commandments. The commandments are perfect. The commandments are great. But we can't keep them. You know it and I know it. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus our Lord. God's standard are constant. But Jesus has won our forgiveness. Jesus is perfect. The perfect man. He showed us how to live. He went obediently to the cross and he bore our sin. All those thoughts and deeds that we have done our whole life. Jesus has paid the penalty. Jesus has taken The punishment on himself. And anybody who comes to Jesus and asks for that forgiveness can have their sins forgiven and can be guaranteed a place in heaven. Law is law, but there is grace that Jesus gives. God's riches at Christ's expense. Jesus did it for us. We're no good, but Jesus is perfect. We don't get what we deserve and it's all because of Jesus. And then it goes on. If you're offering a gift at the altar and there is something, sorry, if you're offering a gift at the altar and and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court, do it while you're still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Jesus is saying that he wants us to be reconciled. He wants us to hold out that olive branch to actually... Keep that short account. If there's somebody who you've got some problem with, somebody who has annoyed you, you know, sometimes you, you might be just walking along the road and you suddenly remember something somebody has said to you and you think, oh, I shouldn't have said that to me and then you walk a little bit further and the devil is just stoking the fire a little bit and say how dare they say that to me and then a little bit further I'm not going to be spoken to by the likes of them in that way and gradually the devil stokes up this anger inside you but be reconciled to your brothers and sisters those people who have who annoyed you irritated you got up your nose we don't we're not to be a vengeful people especially when we come to worship and so I'm just going to come to the end now really I mean Jesus preached this sermon and he said you are the salt of the world salt of the earth and you're the light in the world and what I would ask for this week don't cover up the light you don't have to cover up the light. Put it on the light stand. Just be the people that God wants you to be. Bring that seasoning wherever God leads you this week, whether it's work, whether it's anywhere. Because, you know, we're we also reading Scripture that there should be the fragrance of Jesus where we go. And Jesus wants us just to be you know, you are my witnesses. Not saying, you know, I'd like you to be my witnesses. He says, you are my witnesses. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. So, I'm just going to encourage you this week to, um, to just be the people that Jesus wants you to be. Let your light shine. People Let people see that you are different from others put that light on the light stand lampstand spread the salt that gives that stops things from going rotten and off That's it let's pray heavenly father i thank you lord for being with us thank you that you have given us this wonderful sermon that tells us all the things lord your law is perfect and yet we can't keep it but thank you for jesus who went to the cross to bear our sins lord may we be salt and light wherever we go. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.